Hi everyone, you're listening to Accents. I am Katerina Stojkova and I currently serve as the director of the Kentucky Book Festival. With me is writer Mariama Lockington, one of the authors who will join us on October 21st. Hi Mariama, thank you for joining me today. Hi, so nice to be here. I'm holding in my hands your young adult novel in verse, Forever is Now. Please tell us about it. Yes. So Forever is Now is my debut young adult novel. It is in verse. I'm a trained poet, so um, I went back to sort of my core love of poetry for this book. And it's about a 16-year-old girl named Sadie who is growing up in Oakland, California. She's a poet. She's an activist. And she also lives with chronic anxiety. So this is about her summer between sophomore and junior year of high school when she's got everything planned out she's got an internship she's got a girlfriend her summer is all set but when she witnesses a moment of police brutality she becomes really anxious she lives with anxiety but she becomes very anxious and she ends up being housebound for most of the summer while she lives with something called agoraphobia and so it's a book about How do you live in the now, in the present, um, when there's so much going on in the world that feels overwhelming? How do you find your joy? And how do you lean on your friends and community to get you through some of the harder, darker times? I love the message of that book. And I'll come back to that. (laughs) But first, the poet in me has questions. Yes, please. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you choose the format, the novel in verse? Yes, a great question. So um, I started writing this book in May of 2020, which was a rough time for all of us. Uh, um, It was also um, pretty quickly after, shortly after Breonna Taylor had been murdered in Louisville. And I often find for me in times of overwhelm, I was struggling with my own mental health. I was Um, deeply affected by some of those, all of those deaths that were happening. And so I often feel like in those moments, I automatically turn to poetry, both reading it and then also writing it on the page. Um, And so for whatever reason, Sadie's story came to me and it came out in verse. Um, And I started writing, I think the one of the pieces I started with that's in the book was like a list of things I'm afraid of. Um, And so that was one of the first pieces of the book that I wrote with, wrote about because it was also a moment where I was dealing with my own fears, um, collective and then personal fears. So poetry, um, I think, has always been um, a, a genre that when I'm really struggling <laughs> through something or when I have a character that's struggling through something, it seems like the best, um, the best way to get get that story and those words out for some reason. Well, a couple of interviews mm-hmm. ago, uh, Renee Rigdon, we were speaking about something similar that uh, we came to the conclusion that poetry contains strong emotions better yes. than fiction or nonfiction even. Well, and you have to be, uh, try to be very concise um, or um, sparing uh, with how you express those emotions through poetry. Um, There's also something that I feel like when I feel urgency around things that are happening, that poetry, I think you're right, like the the expression, um, it's it's easier and uh, more powerful in some ways to express it through poetry. 
another thing that I really liked about your book were the epigraphs by Emily Dickinson. Yeah, so um, I always am excited, and I think this also comes from reading poetry collections and um, seeing how different poets structure their collections into parts or themes. So I, I kind of think about all my books in that way. And this book, I knew that I wanted to have a character who was a writer herself, who was exploring poetry and different types of writing and different voices. Um, and Emily Dickinson is one of the poets that she calls to the page, one of the writers. Um, and so I, I thought of the book, I also, I also thought of the book in like three acts. Um, and so I had fun exploring some of Emily's poetry and thinking about also her as a character who was kind of a recluse. Yeah. <laughs> um, not a character, a person who was a recluse, um, but also was observing the, the world around her um, in some of the ways that I think, or I hope that Sadie does in the book as well. Um, so yeah, each, each section of the book uses an Emily Dickinson uh, quote or epigraph. Um, to sort of set the tone for that particular part of the book. So, And say more about the structure with the three parts, like most po poetry books are, as you say. In three, three parts, parts yes. yeah. I, <laughs> you know, every book is, is different. What I'm finding out it doesn't get easier. Um, so when I, I do, I am an, an author who outlines and then sometimes I ignore, you know, I like to have the plan, but then veer off the plan. Um, but... For me, this book was interesting because my editor was like, well, a lot of the the conflict or the main, the climax maybe happens at the very beginning with this moment that she and her girlfriend encounter at the lake. And so then how do you sustain the rest of the book when that big moment happens up top? Um, so I, it, it was helpful for me to think about it in acts. And I don't I don't know if I have anything like profound to say about that other than like it helped me think about, well, in this first part, we meet her, we meet her, she has her whole summer set up and then she has this, this climactic moment and her mental health is really affected. And then in the middle section, she's sort of muddling through what it means to get back to her routines and um, to acknowledge what's happening with her and her diagnosis. And then in the third act, um, she's branching back out and figuring out how to be part of her community. So um, I think it was just helpful. It also helps me to break it down in chunks sometimes. And gives you opportunity to use Emily Dickinson's and quotes. Exactly. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I was hoping, those those stayed in from the very beginning. There are some ways that the, the other ways that other authors come up in the book that changed a little bit, but those stayed um, from the first draft to the last draft. So I was happy about that. I think that the book has gorgeous cover. Thank you. Please describe it for our listeners. Yes. So first of all, I can't take any credit. I'm, I'm not an artist, but um, my publisher found this wonderful artist named Alex Cabal. So the cover is a picture of my main character, Sadie. She's wearing a yellow shirt. She's got a big afro. She's actually wrapping her hands in a boxing wrap. And then there's this garland of flowers that sort of wraps all the way around her body. Um, a sort of like a protective garland of flowers. And so Alex Cabal is the artist that the, the publishers found. And um, I did get to send a little snippet of writing saying, you know, this is how I see my character. This is the type of girl she is. This is what her hair looks like. 
but then the artist got to run with that and send like a rough sketch and then when we saw the sketch and we said yes keep yeah, going keep going well. keep going more flowers yeah. you know more color and then uh you know and then the book designer takes the art and fix the font and everything so i i love this i love this cover because um so the boxing wrap that she has around her hands one of the ways that she deals with her anxiety and is boxing on this boxing bag she has in her garage with her brother and her dad um, and so I think it shows her strength and then there's something about flowers that are both I think they're they're they can be delicate but they're also the sign of growth and um, of beauty and of harnessing some type of joy and so I love that she's wrapped in them um, yeah I can't say enough about the cover and I had nothing to do with it <laughs> I love the pastel colors and the pastel colors yeah, yeah and and um I don't know. I just I've I've been really lucky with book covers. You don't always get um you don't always get a lot of say over book covers and I've been really lucky with book covers. I'm going to read the dedication mm -hmm. for all of the sad anxious black girls. I see and honor all of your beautiful complexities. You matter. It was important for me to write a book where a black girl gets to not only be strong. I think there's the stereotype of the strong black woman, um, and we are strong sometimes, but we often don't get the opportunity or the privilege of having struggle, of falling apart, of um, acknowledging and dealing with our mental health. And so... In this book, it was important for me to acknowledge that a lot of young people today are living with various mental health uh, disorders and, and struggles, and that um, I think we've gotten a little better about talking about it, but it's still something that's um, stigmatized and um, that sometimes we want people like, well, don't, don't air your dirty laundry, don't talk about it. But I think especially with the past four years we've had, um, that mental health has really suffered among young people and also uh, among adults. And so I wanted to just call that out in the beginning of the book and say this is, a, this is a story about someone who is sad and anxious and also all these other things. Um, and it's all, lots of things can be true at the same time. And, it, and it's not a weakness, it's, it's a power, yeah. And you have added author's note that I find a true act of courage and genuine caring as well as leadership by example. Yeah, I, I also think when you write for young people, it is important to provide resources and sometimes context. I mean, this book is a book that's got hopefully moments of, of laughter and joy and you might get annoyed with the characters you might really uh, but it's also a book that deals with the topic of you know depression anxiety um a feeling like how am i going to get through this moment um no one this dark moment and so i think it was really important for me to both talk about my sort of relationship to some of the things Sadie's are going through. So talking about my own mental health journey with anxiety and phobias, um, to be really honest about the parts that I researched and um, hopefully dealt with with care, and then also to provide some resources at the end for young people who might be struggling with mental health and need, need support. Um, and to also remind young people that it's not a weakness to ask for help, that asking for help um, 
it's part of what makes us human. From your bio, we learned that you've been telling stories and making your own books, and some may call this self-publishing, who knows, <laughs> yeah. since second grade. Yes. How did your creative writing career start? Yes, that's, that's a great question. So I have annoyingly always been, even as a, a, young, a young kid, a young person, knew I wanted to write stories. I come from, um, my, my parents are classical musicians, and so the arts were highly encouraged growing up. I had to play. I also I had to play instruments, but we also were encouraged to take dance classes, to um, participate in art classes, visual art classes. And so, from a pretty early age, I I would I would staple books to staple paper together and draw out stories or write them out. Um, but really, when I was in um, high school. I had the opportunity to my senior year to attend an arts boarding school and I went as a creative writer for my senior year and so it was really there where I realized and started to learn about um, you have to even when you're talented at something you have to practice it and learn your craft and um, started to think of myself I guess as a writer um, writer in training at that point and knew it was something I wanted to pursue so I I did go to college and I studied creative writing and literature um, I got an MFA in poetry, and um, then in 2016, I wrote an essay that got published on BuzzFeed about some of my own experiences, and from that essay, I actually got put in touch with my now editor, and we've been working together to write stories that are not memoir, but that are sort of based on some of my identities um, for young people ever since then. All your bios start with the words, Mariama J. Lockington is an adoptee. Can you speak to the importance of this? Yes. So um, I am an adopted person. So I was separated from my family of origin um, at birth. And I was adopted in the 80s uh, by my parents, my adoptive family. I'm the oldest of four one of us is my parents' biological child that came along after I was adopted, and then um, the other two of my siblings are also black and adopted, and we're this multiracial family. Um, and so I grew up in the 80s and 90s with this as my norm, but also when I stepped out into the larger world, um, I faced a lot of scrutiny. I faced a lot of um, racism, um, feelings of otherness because I didn't look like the people, all the people in my family, we all we all look different from one another. Um, so I'm I was a young person who was always looking for books that had reflections of girls like me, of young people like me, of families like mine. And at least when I was growing up, there weren't a lot of those stories. So part of I guess my professional mission as a as an author is to as much as possible, as much as it makes sense, to center adopted people, young people in my books in a smaller, big way, um, and to complicate a little bit um, some of the mainstream narratives of adoption as being um, always this good fairy tale thing and that it's a lot of good and bad and in between and there are a lot of nuances to being an adopted person um, or a family made up through adoption. So um, it's a big part of my identity. It's a big part of how I look at the world and um, how I view the world. And so I 
I proudly put it in my bio, um, and also as a means of visibility, because when I was young, I didn't think there were, it, it felt like I was the only one. Mm. <laughs> Me and my siblings were the only one, and there's actually a very large community of adopted adults, and obviously there are lots of young people who are growing up um, as adoptees or with adopted family members. What are you working on now? <laughs> I am working on a fourth novel, a young adult novel. Um, it'll be out sometime in 2025. So I'm in the process of revising it right now. And it's um, the one thing I'll say about it is it's again, it's for it's a high school characters. Um, it features LGBTQ characters. And one thing I'm excited about is that all of my books so far have taken place in spring and summer. But this next book is taking place over the winter break and holidays. And so I'm having fun writing in a different season and adding things in based on the seasons. Well, you need a fall, autumn book after. Yes, I need a fall book. I think I need a, a like Halloween book because I love Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm working on that. And then um, in a couple of weeks, I'm part of an anthology actually for adoptees or written by adoptees called When We Become Ours. It is a YA anthology uh, of 15 or so stories written by all adopted people for young people. I have one more question for you, and that is a question that I ask all my guests who teach creative writing. And that is, what is the most important thing you teach your students if there is one thing you want them to remember mm-hmm. from your class or workshop? What is it? So something that when I have the opportunity and I love teaching workshops, writing workshops, specifically I love teaching young people writing workshops, is that yes, writing can be a solitary thing when you have to get your words out and you have to meet a deadline, Um, but also it's important to be out in the world experiencing different people, forms of arts, and also to um, hear your work read out loud by other people. and so, and to, to let go of it in some capacity, because you're, sometimes you're so in your head um, that you get so close to it. So um, I think reading your work aloud to yourself is important, whether you're writing poetry or fiction or nonfiction, and then also handing it over to a teacher, a mentor, a friend, a critique partner, and hearing them read it out loud as well. The other thing is that whether or not they are going to be a writer with a capital W and publish, is that as humans, we tell stories every single day. So, and the art of storytelling will be helpful for you no matter what profession you go into. So maybe you do wanna be a novelist or write poems and poetry collections, or maybe you want to um, go into advertising or Um, go into engineering, but being able to tell stories about who you are, where you come from is, is important to being a human and and connects us. And so I tell students to listen to how people are talking to one another, even if it's just over the dinner table, because when you come home from school and someone says, Hey, what was something that made you laugh at school today? You tell them a story about what made you laugh at school. Um, and that there's richness that we can draw from that too. (laughs) I have had different professions in my life and one profession that 
storytelling comes handy as project management. It does. <laughs> Agreed. I'm also project manager, so yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.